When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode of SFFEI is sponsored in part by TBR, Book Riot service for tailored book recommendations, now available as a gift. Is your favorite book lover hard to shop for? Give the gift of TBR, Book Riot's subscription service offering tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. Choose from plans that allow your loved ones to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email as a one-time gift or year-long subscription. And sit back while our bibliologists do the rest. When your recipient redeems their gift, they'll complete a profile to tell TBR about their reading preferences and what they're looking for, and they can even connect their Goodreads account. Then we'll match them up with a bibliologist who will handpick recommendations just for them. Gifts start at just $15, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so when you treat someone's shelf, you're supporting an indie too. Visit mytbr.co slash gift to sign up today. That's mytbr.co slash gift. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 80. We're recording on May 29th. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington. And we are coming to you from Book Riot. And today we're talking about anime and manga. Hello. Hi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that is the right sound. <laughs> yeah. It's been a day and a week and a while. And um, before we get into the show, you know, we don't normally do this, but for a variety of reasons, I'm feeling the need just to say out loud that this past week has been even more difficult in a lot of ways. And I just want to send some support to everyone who's struggling right now, particularly the Black community. Yes, I absolutely do, too. I concur with that. And, you know, we all have to be here to support each other. And yeah, yeah. And tough yes. week. But we're going to try to cheer ourselves up uh, by talking about some fun stuff. Yeah, that was a helpful topic for this week. Yeah, (laughs) I'm excited about this because we're coming at it from different angles, which is going to be really fun. But we'll save that for later. Um, So first, uh, let's do a sponsor, uh, which is the American Gods comic, Volume 3, from Dark Horse Comics. And it is called The Moment of the Storm. It is obviously by Neil Gaiman. The art is by P. Craig Russell and Scott Hampton. And if you were not aware, I somehow missed that this is already in volume three. Um, But yeah, Neil Gaiman's award-winning novel, American Gods, has been adapted as a comic series uh, from an all-star lineup of artists. And it is the story of a conflict 
brewing between the ancient and modern gods. And this is the third and final volume in which they are headed toward the inevitable god war. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so they are about to meet in the center of America to exchange the body of the old gods fallen leader. And I am just like... I feel like this is a good time for comics, you know, and we're talking about anime and manga today. So this is a nice sideways. Yeah, we have like a little theme going here. Accidental, (laughs) accidental ad theme. So it is. uh, Yeah, it's it's out. It's coming. Volume three is here. So if you uh, have not checked that out already, definitely get on that. Again, this is sponsored by Dark Horse Comics, who are the publisher of American Gods. And we are now on volume three, The Moment of the Storm by Neil Gaiman. Very exciting. Mm hmm. All right, so let's talk about some news. Um, Before we talk about newsy items, I just want to also give a shout out to fantasy-fiction.com for a lovely mention. They put a big roundup together of podcasts that they recommend around science fiction fantasy themes, and we were in it, so like hearts to y'all. Thanks. Mm -hmm. That made our day. (laughs) That was really nice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, super nice. Uh, so let's see. So that's my first little shout out. Sharifa, what do you want to talk about first? Um, I think I want to talk about this really cool event that's happening online with one of our faves, Taika Waititi, um, where we receive recent news that Taika is going to be directing two new Roald doll inspired animated series. And it's going to be based around Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and that world. And then there was recently this other news about another Roald Dahl project he's working on specifically to help support uh, people in need during this pandemic. So what they're doing is, so Taika is leading an all-star reading of James the Giant Peach Definitely a favorite doll story among many readers. And it's going to be this really, truly star-studded cast of actors who are reading this book aloud on YouTube. And we actually wrote about this earlier in May, and it's still ongoing, so you haven't missed out on anything. This series is being released on YouTube Um, Every few days, every week, until the book is finished, of course. And each episode of the series is being read by different actors, including, let's see, there's Meryl Streep, Benedict Cumberbatch, um, there's Mindy Kaling, Kumail Ninjani, Lupita Nyong'o, so many people that are really just, you know, all-time favorites really amazing event and also a really great event if you have kids around at home who are really bored and need something to do because having a really immersive story that the whole family can enjoy is probably something a lot of people need right now and also each episode is accompanied by these friendly uh, family friendly activities so there are crafts and competitions and experiments which is great and it's amazing that all of this was developed in such a short amount of time because I mean it feels like this has been going on forever 
But to pull this sort of production together with this many people, especially with actors, I'm just completely blown away by the whole thing. So it's still ongoing. I think actually today one of the newer videos premiered as of recording this episode and the Roald Doll Story Company is committed to donate a million pounds to COVID-19 impacted charities and it sounds like a really great cause that you can also enjoy as somebody who might need to spend to find something to spend some some time on that feels valuable for you and for the world at large. So I think this is amazing. And what a hero. Mm, always. <laughs> always. Yeah. <laughs> always. So true. Uh, let's see. I'm going to continue our comic-y theme because I want to talk about this trailer that recently came out for Old Guard a movie that is coming to your Netflix queue on July 10th. So we don't have very long to wait, which is exciting because this trailer is amazing. I had to restrain myself. I only watched it once because I have other things <laughs> to do with my life, but it was close. And I actually had not heard of this comic, but it's based on Greg Rucka's graphic novel series, The Old Guard, which maybe now I will have to read. And it's about a team of mercenaries who have been protecting the world for centuries because they all, they're basically immortal. You can like try to kill them, but they just heal, always heal. Uh, so no matter how you kill them, they will heal up and return. And Charlize Theron is one of the kick butt mercenaries. And she, as always in action roles, looks incredible. Um, <laughs> the movie is directed by Gina Prince-Blythewood, who directed Love and Basketball and Beyond the Lights. And it's really, I, I was so excited to watch this trailer because it's a super diverse cast. There's really interesting things going on. And the action looks amazing. And I love a good supernatural action movie. So I'm I'm hopeful that this the the that the actual movie will live up to the promise of the trailer. And now I kind of feel like maybe I need to check out, like I said, that I, ch I should check out the graphic novel. So yeah, that's that's an ex that's a thing to get excited about. Yeah, I haven't heard of the why well, I, I Comics is definitely something that until, of course, this episode, I always <laughs> forget to like that I actually really enjoy reading and is actually, you know, there are really dark comics out there. I'm not going to say they're all lighthearted, but just in terms of like being able to have this satisfactory thing that you feel like you've gotten to the end to is great. So anytime mm. there are new comics that sound really interesting, I'm always I'm always on board for that. Yeah, and I've read some of Rekka's other work and enjoyed it. So, you know, that's that's always a nice thing, too. Now's the time. Now is the time. And speaking of how now is the time, <laughs> this is such a terrible segue. <laughs> we were talking about how vampires are making a comeback. And there's, like, proof of this every single week. But this particular... This particular headline I just had to talk about because it it sounds like the action movie I never knew I wanted mm -hmm. starring Peter Dinklage and Jason Momoa and it's this vampire vampire slayer con artist duo 
show that's coming out, which sounds amazing. So it's described as an action horror buddy road movie, which is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also all of those check the boxes for me. So they, these uh, this duo teams up and Peter Dinklage's character is... The, vamp the sort of Van Helsing style vampire slayer. And then um, Jason Momoa's character is the actual vampire who's decided he's never going to kill again. So they're basically like con artists going from town to town. And they're pretending to do a job for these places to get a vampire, which I assume is going to be just Jason Momoa pretending to die every time. <laughs> and it just sounds really like, it sounds like a good time. And I like, you know, I like the really dark and gritty vampire novels and movies and shows and things. But I think it's, it's always kind of a refreshing change of pace when you also get like the sort of, I'm assuming there's going to be comedy in this. They don't say comedy, but I'm saying comedy. I'm assuming this is going to be sort of a lighthearted, funsy thing. And I'm uh, I'm interested in the concept. We'll see how it, it actually gets executed. But Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, agree with just everything that you said. <laughs> Vampires all day, every day. <laughs> I mean, I will confess that I haven't picked up a vampire book in a minute, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm I'm always open to being persuaded by new vampire content and and you know Peter Dinklage and Jason Momoa are a killer combo. They are. They are Game of Thrones. Um, why can't I remember the word? Alum. <laughs> Game of Thrones alum. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Oh, let's see. Okay, so here's another quick internet-y thing. Uh, if you feel like you need interaction of the reading variety, Tor.com has been doing a socially distanced read-along, and they just wrapped up reading Catherine Addison's The Goblin Emperor, and they're starting the fifth season next, which is a great book to read with a group, I think, because mm -hmm. there's so much going on in that book and in the whole series. And they're reading it over the course of the next six weeks, and there's a hashtag on Twitter, and there will be posts on the site. Um, and I, like, just want to say that Broken Earth is real heavy <laughs> as a series. So it's like, yeah. you know, uh, it's not light, but it is super good, obviously. You know, like Hugo and Nebula award-winning etc etc or just hugo pardon me it should have won all the things it, it won really the hugo but if that's a thing that you want to do uh you can get in on that so again uh the link will be in the show notes but yeah they're they're reading fifth season always a good time i uh i actually have found that i'm right now i'm reading uh what is it the wilder girls and i'm finding that I, I'm actually not not enjoying a really dark story. Oh. So maybe maybe people are finding it kind of a good weird distraction. Other problems that are not real world problems right now. Perhaps. Right. Yeah. I think there's two angles here. There's the like problems that are not my problems angle, yeah. which is real. And then there's the cathartic like I'm crying over problems yes. and it doesn't matter which problems they are. I just need to like have catharsis around them. So yeah, there's there's definitely roads in for y'all if you're not just like needing fluffy. So 
There are definitely going to be some interesting conversations happening around the book with this read aloud. Word. Or read along, rather. I guess it's not a read aloud. Oh, yeah. Read along. That's right. Uh, You could read it out loud to yourself, though. (laughs) Like, why not? (laughs) Just record yourself. Post it on Twitter with a hashtag. Wait, don't violate any copyright laws, though. Do not violate. That's right. Scratch that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just have a final sort of quickie one um, that is exciting news because I know I love these books. I know a lot of you out there love these books. Tade Thompson's The Murders of Molly Southbourne, which I found delightfully creepy and works from S.A. Chakraborty and Jonathan Stroud I'm not as familiar with, but I I know the name. So all of those works are going to be developed for Netflix. So I knew about The Murders of Molly Southbourne because uh, back when I was talking about it, I I believe at the time it was one of those things where they had bought the rights. So it felt very like, oh, here's something that's happening, but who knows when. But now we actually know it's going to Netflix. So... Uh, I'm really, really excited about that, but also I'm probably not going to want to turn off the lights for a while after I watch it. Yeah. Because <laughs> super creepy. And then, of course, the Devabad trilogy, big, big favorite among rioters and readers alike. I cannot wait to see what they do with that world uh, cinematically. So mm. look out for news about those things. It's nice to hear about progress happening with these projects. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, I believe that's it for our news. And I'm going to tell you about our next sponsor before we dive into anime and manga talk. And that is Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Enrich your reading life with our new Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insiders, short story, novel, and a brand new epic level. And you can try any level out for free for two weeks. The highlight is our new group read hosted online, available to all epic members, and there's no cap on epic, so the more the merrier. Each quarter, we'll read a book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more. Get the full details on this and all the other perks and sign up at insiders.bookriot.com. And it has been sounding like there have been some really great picks happening with that, um with those book choices. So yeah, it's I, so fun. I am the one who's running those read-alongs at the moment. Yes. <laughs> and uh, they vote on, I like put three options in and then they, they vote. And it's been super fun so far. We're actually just about two weeks away from our next live chat. And I think it's going to be a really good one. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. Exciting. I, think, I know. I think other people are enjoying it too. It's been, you know, it's a weird time to be like, in a book club, but yeah, <laughs> it's a very leisurely reading pace, which is nice, you know, because we take like three months to read these. So it's 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 very doable. I think a lot of people appreciate that right now. <laughs> I, I know I do. Like, yeah, who can focus? So if that sounds like something exciting to you, you should definitely check out Book Riot Insiders. All right. Shall we talk about our anime and manga picks? Yes. Okay. First... First, mm-hmm. I, and you already did it in the show, I go back and forth between manga and manga, and I don't know which is correct, I'm realizing. 
I accidentally said manga just a second ago, but I think I've heard it and have been corrected before okay. to say that it is manga. And the person who corrected me might be wrong, and I would love to say yeah. actually to them, but I think that's <laughs> the way it's written. Right, Anybody well, you... out there can correct us. Yeah, I was just going to say, please do write it and let us know. Um, and and I picked this topic because of I'm just obsessed with this one anime right now, um, yeah. and, <laughs> which we'll get to in a minute. But when Sharif and I were talking about it, I was saying how I actually have watched very little anime, and I've read a decent amount of manga but you're the opposite mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting I watched a lot of anime when I was younger uh, because my sister was really into it and I just sort of got into it through her and then we were just watching anime non-stop <laughs> but it was funny to go back because all of the anime I've watched has, is like from you know back when like Vampire Hunter D and all that stuff and like Dominion Tank Police and I had to really think about this because I was like I feel like a lot of that stuff was inappropriate or like <laughs> there was a lot of adult content in some of that stuff and I can't remember like how bad it gets so I had to choose carefully <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah, so was not reading manga that much for whatever reason. I don't know why it never really, it never occurred to me since I loved anime so much. Like, why didn't I start reading manga? Maybe it was yeah. not that accessible back then, perhaps. I mean, my first exposure to manga was when I worked at a Borders right out of college and we had a whole manga section. Oh, and I almost forgot I wanted to tell this story. So there was this young yes. woman. This was my favorite thing, honestly. And it made the managers <laughs> so angry. There was this young woman who would come in and I can't remember if it was like Yu-Gi-Oh or Fruits Basket, but she would come in and she would buy the next volume of whatever. And there was a, I think it was like, you know, a like three day, you had a three day return for for, you know, policy mm -hmm. at Borders, assuming it was, quote unquote, unread. And she would come in three, like within three days and exchange it for the next one. Oh, boy. And just worked her <laughs> way through. So she would. Yeah, she basically <laughs> only ever paid for one. And it drove management wow. nuts. But there was never anything wrong with the books. Like she was really careful when she read them. So they just didn't have a good enough reason to tell her no to returns. That is amazing. And I was like so impressed with her you know, dedication and, like, moxie. <laughs> the moxie, for sure. It's real. The moxie is so real. That is amazing. So that was my first exposure to manga. And then uh, I, like, didn't think much of it and didn't read that much of it. And then when I got into comics, because my roommate at the time, it was, like, in, uh, like, 2010 to 2013, my roommate at the time was super into comics, and we were going to comic shops all the time. And I started to pick up more manga, and that's, like, so now, I you know, I've read, like, Death Note and, you know... Um, Oh, I don't know, like a bunch of stuff uh, that I should have listed beforehand. But 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 <laughs> there's also interesting holes in my manga reading that I'm going to talk about. So it's, uh, you know, this was a very fun topic to think about my relationship to. I agree. Uh, so I'll, I'll I guess I'll kick us off with yeah. my pick, which is I, I'm talking about my anime pick first. And this is also the science fiction pick because I had to talk about an old favorite, which is Cowboy Bebop. And Cowboy Bebop is created by Shinichiro Watanabe. And 
you know, I, as I said, I realized most of the anime I watched when I was younger was um, a little bit for adult audiences. And this one I actually came to a a little bit later. I think it was probably more around uh, college age or at least later in high school. And it turns out that I also watched like a ton of sci-fi anime specifically. I don't even remember why. I probably just got on that jag, but... (laughs) I think, like, I I thought about this one because I think Cowboy Bebop is a little bit more accessible if you're new to anime because I know that even with my most beloved anime series and uh, movies, I I still to this day cannot make heads or tails of some of the plots. <laughs> and Cowboy Bebop is a little bit um, easier to pick up on the storyline. It's very linear. So the story is set in 2071 and it follows this ragtag band of registered bounty hunters and their home base is this spaceship called Bebop. And there's the there's this really cool cast of characters. There's the charismatic leader who's Spike and there's this former cop and sort of renaissance man named Jet Black. And then there's like an amnesiac con artist, Faye Valentine, and my all-time favorite weirdo hacker, Edward Wong, who who's a girl, by the way. I know a lot of people get confused about Edward. Um, and then there's also my other favorite character, Ayn, who's just the cutest genetically engineered Pembroke Welsh Corgi in the galaxy. <gasps> oh, my. So adorable. There's a whole episode about how, how they pick up Ayn that I just love. And I would, I guess I would describe the adventures of the Bebop crew as capers because there's, there's definitely plenty of comedy and they have a lot of mishaps, but I would also say that it leans closer to dramedy. There are some really emotional moments that might leave you really teary eyed, especially if you find yourself invested in the show and in the characters. And Each of the main characters' backstories, which I forgot about until I sort of started digging into it again, um, each of the characters' backstories involve tragedy. They all affect this sort of attitude to varying degrees, often a sort of uh, an attitude that has a bit of a comedic effect, uh, but in, in response to their unique losses. They're all kind of tragic characters in their own right. Which strengthens that found family feeling, I think, because they need each other. And even when they're driving each other up the wall, they form this support system for each other. And they're kind of always there. So I'm really a sucker for that trope. And I know that's why I fell for this series. And also because there are some really cool villains in this show, which uh, if you've been listening for a while, you know I love a good villain. And I just think it's really stylish and the music choices are great. And one fun fact I learned while I was going back through the chronicles of this series is that the personality of Edward, my favorite, is based on the show's composer, whose name is Yoko Kano, which makes me think she must have been a really interesting member of the team to have around. Uh, But if you like stories about con artists and grifters or if you like that sort of noir feel, but with spaceships and also found families, I think it's a really great fit. And also if the concept of space westerns appeals to you, it's very light on the western, but you you pick it up here and there. And I thought that 
as I was watching it again, it had sort of a Kill Bill vibe as yeah. far as the styling goes. I know I didn't think about, I mean, when I watched it, Kill Bill wasn't a, a thing. It wasn't in existence. But right. I think in terms of like the styling and in regards to like this overarching vengeance thread of the plot Spike has with his once friend and partner and now arch nemesis, whose name is Vicious, a great name for a villain. <laughs> But I actually learned it's inspired by this earlier popular animated series called Lupin the Third, which is a show I ironically could never get into when I watched it way back when. <laughs> I don't know, I guess this translation was, uh, this inspired version was more my thing. But, you know, the show has this really cinematic flair from the music choices to the cinematography. And I think it's really especially evident in one of my favorite episodes, which almost had me teary-eyed again. I was literally watching it this morning. And it's Ballad of a Fallen Angel. If you watch that one, I have to know how you feel about it. Okay. Because music makes me feel really emotional. And that one gets me in the gut every time. Oh, wow. So it's great. Um, as you might imagine, the show is heavy on violence and gun weapon use, just so you know. I also recall some cultural stereotyping as well. So be be aware of that. But season one is available to stream on Hulu if you have it. It's only 26 episodes and each episode sort of foreshadows the finale. So it's really satisfying in that way. You sort of, you have closure. And yeah, I've been talking about Cowboy Bebop. That's one of the anime that I am aware of, but never actually sat down and watched. But you definitely just sold me on it. Yay! <laughs> I would also bet money that Tarantino's influences for Kill Bill included anime. Like, there's oh, no for way sure. it didn't, right? Like, it has to be true. Yeah, now that you mention it, or at least, like, some sort of, like, Japanese film for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I feel like Tarantino definitely watches anime. yeah. I oh I yeah that seems like a no brainer. I'm sure we could google it if we were so we inclined. Um so my anime is Little Witch Academia, which hey. is a fantasy and it is so sweet and so <laughs> adorable and so fun. And it's interesting to me because you know I think like my experience with anime previously has been I I, I will never remember the name of this anime and I don't remember enough details about it to be useful but somebody showed me some in college and I had the same problem with it that I ended up having with Aeon Flux which is an anime I've seen some of which is that the body horror elements are so strong yeah, and even illustrated it's just too much for me like it's just I will never forget that opening sequence of Aeon Flux with the fly on the eyeball and the eyelashes and it's just like Ugh, like oh I my just... god can I tell you that that's my screen saver on my phone oh my god. <laughs> i'm sorry this is this is the most quintessentially oh, no. jen sharifa like like <laughs> categorizing conversation we've ever had which is saying something that is hilarious that's so funny so yeah so that's a lot for me like that's a lot for me personally and so i think that i was only really ever exposed to anime that was in that more like actiony, maybe horror-y sort of style. Um, 
which was uh, just not something I can watch. It's <laughs> just giving me the heebie-jeebies. So, but then my Netflix queue kept insisting to me, probably because of how many times I've watched Dragon Prince and Avatar The Last Airbender, that I would really like Little Witch Academia. And lo and behold, the algorithm was correct. Shout out to the algorithm, because this is so sweet. There's two seasons, and it started out, there's like a very tangled story of how this anime came to be that includes like some short films and then a Kickstarter. But anyway, um, my experience with it is the two seasons on Netflix, which are about this young girl named Akko who has been dreaming all of her short little life about becoming a witch. And she finally gets accepted into the witch school Luna Nova. And she's like ready to, you know, do the magic and win the thing and create her dreams and just have like all of the success and it turns out she sucks at magic but her enthusiasm is endless and she has she meets these two girls who become her friends who are their own special kind of quirky one of them's like very quiet and bookish Lottie is great and then Susie is obsessed with poisonous mushrooms and is like always experimenting on her roommates and it's their problems are things like you know falling behind in classwork or like people in this version of our world think that magic is kind of outdated and old-fashioned and useless like why would you need magic when you have computers it's just dumb or you know they're having like fights with each other about you know social hierarchy things like it's so the problems are so low stakes in real world terms Mm. but emotionally high stakes for the characters so it's very soothing um and it is just so sweet it's just so sweet i love it so much so since there's only two seasons and the episodes are like 20 minutes long i've been parceling it out very slowly because i'm trying (laughs) to make it last as long as possible um but i'm but i was delighted to learn as i was prepping for this show that there are actually three volumes of manga Based on the show, and I've read the first one. Yes, I've read the... Well, no, I've read into the second one. And they pretty well follow, so far, the first season of the anime, but they have um, some new little side episodes and side adventures, which is great. And uh, and there's an original novel that I haven't picked up yet. Nice. But so, like, there's a whole world of material coming out of this one concept, which is just amazing. So the anime... Uh, was created by Yo Yoshinari and Trigger. And then the manga is by those creators with art by Kaisuke Sato. And I am just like so excited to sort of roll around in the Little Witch Academia world. (laughs) So if you need something that's like light and sweet and fun and a little bit soothing, and it is, it does feel very diverse. I see like, you know, the, the main three characters all appear to be pale in some way or another. Um, Susie is actually kind of like gray tinged. I'm only I'm assuming because of how many mushrooms she eats. Oh my <laughs> but, but there are brown faces on the screen and there are queer moments in the show so far. And like it's again, it's very like I think it's all ages. It's very kid friendly. Um, but there is some some nice moments of representation happening. So again, that's Little Witch Academia created by Yo-Yo Shinari and Trigger. That sounds so lovely. That sounds like the perfect thing for right now. Yeah, it's it's solid. Ugh. Well, my fantasy pick is also very lighthearted, and it probably seems obvious. I chose the Sailor Moon manga. <laughs> <laughs> 
by Naoko Takeuchi. And okay, but here's the thing. I have only ever seen the anime and I've been so curious about the difference between the show and the manga. So I just sort of selfishly chose this for myself, but also in the hopes others were similarly curious. Mm. Because whenever I hear the, like, the theme music to Sailor Moon, I'm transported back to high school. I used to watch it every weekday morning. This was like a ritual. Every weekday morning I would wake up and I would get ready for school and I would always have Sailor Moon on in the background because it, was, it would play on TV like in the morning every day. That's lovely. So yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of perfect because the story follows this super awkward food loving high school girl and you know there are all sorts of categories of manga i am not an expert but i know this one is is shoujo manga which is defined as manga geared toward teen girls yeah. so and it was definitely like you know your quintessential um very sweet high school antic story but with you know, a fantasy magical element. So on one hand, I got some relatability to reinforce me ahead of, you know, what was an effortlessly fraught high school experience. And I do mean relatability minus the fact that, you know, the protagonist, Usagi Tsukino, otherwise known as Sailor Moon, is this magically powered heroine who <laughs> fights evil by moonlight and wins love by daylight, except not really because I never understood that line. She does not really win love by daylight. That person. <laughs> False advertising. <laughs> False advertising. That theme song is incorrect. But um, the series, the actual manga, follows Usagi, who literally stumbles upon this magical cat by the name of Luna. And Luna gives Usagi this gift that gives her special powers and turns her into this soldier of justice. But of course, with great power comes great responsibility and all that. And there's this mission to protect this mysterious princess that Luna keeps going on about but won't really say much about. And so Sailor Moon, Usagi, has to fight the baddies, including arch nemesis queen barrel who i remember also from the show some of the villains i couldn't really remember but it has again been it's been a while since i was in high school so but i remember queen barrel and she appears quite often um she'll do anything for this silver crystal that's going to give her unlimited power but you know usagi is this self-described lazy layabout and she's a crybaby she also thinks like you know she doesn't even think these things negatively about herself she thinks she's a very lovely and darling human being <laughs> <laughs> and so she's not like your traditional heroic type she's definitely not the sort of uh individual who takes to a challenge heroically and again i mean she's like 14 in this show so She's really young and she does not have all of the grown-up inclinations. So it makes sense. But then, you know, with her fellow sailor soldiers, it seems like she might stand a chance. And I remember many a conversation and I'm sure there are like 1,000 personality quizzes out there <laughs> about which sailor soldier we were. <laughs> like, this was a big topic of conversation back when. Obviously. 
because you've got this super smart Sailor Mercury, you've got very spiritual Sailor Mars, there's really strong sort of brawny Sailor Jupiter, and then glamorous Sailor Venus. And you've also got not one, but two talking cats in this. <gasps> yes, the best. And then of course you have the love interest. There's the inscrutable tuxedo mask who always shows up to help Sailor Moon and who Sailor Moon does a lot of swooning over. <laughs> and I, you know, I was, I will note that when you, if you come across this, if you do read this, don't do what I did and forget that you're supposed to read both the panels and the dialogue bubbles from right to left. Yeah. So I got very confused at first when I was reading it, but it was a lot less frenetic than I thought. Um, and I haven't read the entire series. There's a lot to it. Um, but I read quite a few. I think I got through halfway. Wow. But it's just really lighthearted and easygoing. And it actually was very much like the show. Nothing about it struck me as being very different from the show. So it was kind of a nostalgic satisfying lighthearted romp so if that's what you're feeling like you should definitely check out sailor moon lovely now i need to go take a personality test <laughs> you absolutely do tell me who you get who are who are you do you know i don't know i i i literally went back and forth on this i all i i'm not smart enough like i don't think i'm like a genius like sailor mercury so i almost want to say i'm more like i don't know i'm a mix <laughs> sure that's fine that's fine i mean i'm a raven puff so like Ooh. in hogwartsy terms i'm definitely part ravenclaw part Hog I think hufflepuff you'd be like i'm my prediction is you're like a sailor mars okay interesting. that's my prediction i could be wrong all right all right uh, I will I will get back to you on that. Okay. <laughs> um, so my manga pick is Pluto, which is a series I am obsessed with and have been since it was first recommended to me by my local comic shop back in the day. It is by Naoki Urasawa, Tagashi Nagasaki, and Osamu Tezuka. And it is actually based on like the very famous, you know, Atomic Boy series mm. by Naoki Urasawa, but I have not read that. And it does not matter. I mean, one day I'm gonna, I swear to God. Um, <laughs> but it is actually. Uh, totally readable whether or not you have that grounding. It takes place in a distant future where there are sentient robots of various kinds. Some of them, a lot of them actually, are almost indistinguishable from people. Um, and like people maybe can't even tell apart. So you have to have like a scanner to tell you if, you know, somebody's a human or a robot. And then some are more obviously not humanoid. Uh, and there are like seven great robots of the world. And someone or something is picking them off one by one and killing them. And at first it just seems like a weird coincidence, but then it quickly becomes clear that this is a serial killer who is targeting these robots. And uh, in the first volume, we meet Gesicht, who is a top detective for Europol and is also a one of the seven great robots in the world himself. So like he is a target as well as trying to like solve the murder and it is so good 
And what I love about this series, which I was rereading volume three, because that's I used to have all of them, but I had to downsize my you know book collection more than once because of moves. And so I just hung on to number three because Uran, uh, I think that's how you say her name, is one of my favorites. She's this young girl robot who has uh, great empathy with animals. And there's like a beautiful subplot around her. And that's just, you know, sort of to say what I love about this series so much is not just like the plot is great, but you get these beautiful moments of backstory or, you know, a snapshot of their lives for these robots that are just so, so such good character development. Like there's one who was really, I think, designed more to be like a war machine who wants to learn to play the piano and like goes to see this, you know, composer and listen to him play. And then, you know, they're just, they're just, they all have these beautiful sort of backstories about like how it is that they want to be in the world, whatever people think about them. And cause there are some people who are like super anti-robot and there are some people who are like, Oh, they're fine, but I'm not going to treat them as equals. And then there, you know, there's like robot rights issues at stake here. And it's just, so well developed like the world is well developed the characters are well developed and the action and mystery are so good and so compelling there's just like nothing i don't love about this series including the art i love the art Ugh, i love it so much <laughs> so yeah i just have like like i said big 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 love for this series i do remember it being hard to get all of the volumes new like i had to do some serious searching i think there are yeah yeah there are eight um and i had to do some real serious searching there is like a complete series set if you can get it but it's it's not easy <laughs> which is sad because this series is so freaking good um and i just wish there yeah i wish that i had more people to talk about it with uh so again that's pluto by naoki urasawa and osamu tezuka and you know it was interesting when i was thinking about this i was going back through like my you know reading archives to see what manga i might want to talk about and i discovered that all of it is either contemporary like realist detective-y or more fantasy. This was the only sci-fi manga I've read. Interesting. And I was just like, am I, like, where are the rest of them? <laughs> I know they must exist, but what are they? Because then when I kind of went poking around, a lot of the manga that I was finding recommending in the sci-fi fantasy genre were all fantasy. They're all magical in some way. And I'm like, I know there must be sci-fi out there. But I don't know where yeah. to find it. So if you're listening and you have recommendations, please send those to me. I would love to read more sci-fi manga. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't recall any except like sci-fi horror maybe. <laughs> but even then. I think manga, I can handle the horror better than if it's like okay. animated body horror. Like I think maybe, possibly. I don't know. It, Some we of could get pretty grotesque. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. So let her, let Jen know. Right. Yeah. Everybody else will be probably better recommenders. On <laughs> and that's it for our show. What a delight that was. I hope everybody finds some great anime and manga out there. Thank you so much for listening. You can email us as usual at sffyeah at bookriot.com. Please do review us on Apple Podcasts. We love to hear your thoughts and it helps people find us. You can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? Mostly on Instagram right now at I am Jen IRL and that's J-E-N-N-I-R-L. 
And you can also find me on Instagram at sdianabwilliams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And until next time, have a good day.